Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Squad Podcast. And today I'm joined by Chris Tona. Chris, how are we? Yeah, I'm good. It's been a month since I was last on, so happy to be back on. So, since the last time you were on the podcast, Chris, a lot has changed. Neil Lennon is no longer the Celtic manager. What's your thoughts? I rejoice. Um, all came to a head that Ross County game, second time the season we lost to Ross County. I think that was the last draw. Um, sums the season up, really, that, that game, doesn't it? No, absolutely. Like, that, as you said, that performance summed up how bad Celtic have been this season. And right after that game, there was no way back for Neil Lennon. And see his post-match interview. Remember at the start of it? He was basically laughing. <laughs> he was laughing Aye. about how bad Celtic and how much this season has been a disaster. I don't know if he was laughing at just the performance or if he was laughing like, I know that's it for me. Yeah, overall, though, I don't think that was a good look whatsoever. And you've seen on social media, a lot of Celtic fans were very unhappy about that. Yeah, well... I think it's quite justified um, just performance after performance this season ending up like that or drop points and putting your rivals on the cusp of the title so I don't blame the Celtic support for feeling that way So Neil Lennon resigned, that's what the papers are saying, that's what Celtic are saying right, but do you really believe he resigned or do you think it was a mutual termination in the sense of the Celtic board didn't want to, like, they, they, they didn't want to really make fun of him that way or paint him in a bad light. They just due to the service he's given Celtic, and they're like, okay, we'll say that you're resigning instead of you, uh, it being a mutual termination or you getting the sack, you know, because I've seen in the papers that a crisis meeting was actually called a couple of days after the Ross County game. So I think Lennon... Uh, and the, the board came to uh, an, like an agreement, right, okay, the best thing to do is part ways. And but we said it earlier on uh, this season, uh, it was when Callum was on, that we believe we believe that Neil Lennon, there, were, there was no way Neil Lennon was going to just walk. He was wanting at least a pay, pa- a pay package. That was That's my opinion on it. And it, like he, I don't blame him, actually, in a sense, you know, but the way this season has gone and the way he's conducted himself, I think it's left a sour taste in a lot of Celtic fans' mouths. Yeah, absolutely. I actually not really gave it much food for thought as to what exactly I think went down when it comes to him leaving. Did he walk away? Was he sacked and they just didn't want to say it in the press? Or if it was like a mutual termination? On reflection, I think it might have actually been a mutual termination and the club just saying to press I he's decided to resign because as you say he's, he's still done a wonderful service to the club as both a player and a manager so I don't think even Cel- the Celtic board would have wanted to sack him or let him go without some kind of a payoff so I think that's probably most likely what did indeed happen but um, yeah the Celtic and the supporters mouse obviously um, we failed, failed to win in thir- 11 of his 30 league games in charge this season. We failed to make the Champions League that pitiful performance against Ferenc Varos. Um, the Europa League campaign, we were the top seeds in that draw and look what happened. Finished bottom. Um, and then County not only kind of put the final nail in the coffin of Lennon's managerial career, they 
they were the ones that indeed ended up domestic dominance, knocking us out of the League Cup. Mm-hmm. And here's a big question. Is Neil Lennon's legacy at Celtic tarnished? Despite his success as a player and manager, and as much as you try and look back on fondness of what he did bring to the club, then it's still point. Many a Celtic fan out there that will tell you no, his legacy is he's the man that cost us 10 in a row. And I don't know how much, how long that will be following around, if that indeed can be forgiven um, and in what capacity can be welcomed back into club, the club. Because um, Billy McNeil, he was sacked in what, 1990 or 91, um, and he was eventually welcomed back into the club despite years of him having a bit of taste in his mouth about the circumstances in which he left. In time, I hope that he can be welcomed in some capacity back into the club and indeed by the supporters, but it's going to take a long time and for a lot of supporters and in some instances not at all. See the way he's conducted himself this season, it has been like the Neil Lennon of old, very argumentative, hot-headed, snapping at journalists, and you've seen the prime example of that right after Dubai, that debacle, that press conference was, let's start, let's sum it up, it was embarrassing, to say the least. You know, just the way he was conducting himself, uh, I, would, I would say he was acting like a child. And I think most Celtic fans would agree with me on that assessment. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that got me about that press conference was Peter Wall came out and made the apology, why then is Neil Lennon coming out and taking an absolute, completely different stance on it? Going against his boss, yeah. He's the... completely going against his boss. And the fact he was still trying to defend and justify that Dubai trip, it was ridiculous. You know, the, the moment will live for me forever is that we didn't abuse any wee fingers in their privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, like no, it was it was crazy scenes. It made for some fantastic entertainment, though that's for sure. Um, but uh, obviously, you, you're a very decent Celtic fan, Chris. You were even saying at the time you were mortified by it, you know. And the, the one thing I have to say, though, see some of the memes on the old Twitter about that, <laughs> some tremendous content. Um, but yeah, it's going back to if New Lennon's legacy is going to be tarnished. I feel as though, see if he resigned after the Ross County defeat in the League Cup or the Sparta Prague defeat, I think his legacy would be okay, right? But see the fact he stayed in the job too long. Celtic fans wanted it out. It was the biggest season in Celtic's history and he messed everything up. He did. And obviously, like the buck stops on the manager, end off. So, and he recruited the players in the summer and we were told... This was one of Celtic's best transfer windows in years. And the only player, and I'll ask you this, who would you say is the only player that Neil Lennon brought in in summer that's actually delivered? David Tumble? That's it. Yeah. 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 So it's just been a complete disaster, you know. So for me, I think, I, I do agree with what you're saying. I think maybe once everything calms down a bit, there's a bit of space between Neil Lennon and Celtic. He will be welcome back at Celtic Park, but see the status he once had as a legend, I think that's diminished now. Yeah, absolutely. If he was uh, 
Led us to the unprecedented 10, then his name goes down in Celtic folklore forever. But um, I think it's going down in Celtic folklore and indeed football folklore for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think anyone will remember the league titles that Neil Lennon won, the Scottish Cups that Neil Lennon won, and obviously the League Cup as well against us in that game, that infamous game, you know. Um, I don't think they'll be remembering that. I think they, what they, when they think of Neil Lennon, the first thing that'll come in to their head is he's the man that bottled the 10 for Celtic in the biggest season in Celtic's history and he, he spoiled it. Yeah, and just, um, well, the first treble that we won under him when he came back, he was only finishing half the job for um, Brendan Rodgers. Um, his next treble, it was season was called early, so plenty of question marks there about it. Um, then indeed the Scottish Cup was extended, and even I'll say arguably just so we could do a quadruple treble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because see when you look at the league titles, Neil Lennon's won, right? Don't get me wrong, I've always thought Neil Lennon's a decent manager, right? But the league titles that like he's won, I, I, right, I'm just going to say it, though. He was never up against a strong Rangers side, right? And you can look back throughout the years, like, for example, when he won his first league title at Celtic, Rangers went into administration, getting 10 points deducted, right? Then the other league titles, uh, I think it was like two more, two or three more. I think it was two more after that. Yeah, um, two more. Yeah, two more after that. Rangers went in the league, right? He leaves Celtic. Uh, then he goes to Bolton, right? Didn't work out there. To be fair, they had some real difficult financial trouble at the club. So it didn't really work out there, wasn't really in his control. He then went to Hibs, uh, he got his promoted, that was expected, you know, because that squad was good enough to get promoted, so he'd done the bare minimum there. Then he got Hibs in the Premiership, yeah, I think uh, Hibs finished fourth, and then the season after that, he had a falling out with the, the Hibs board, the Hibs players, a big standoff with the team at the training grounds, I think you remember that one, Chris? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, then Neil Lennon was out of a job for a bit. And see, when you look at Neil Lennon's career overall, like he's always been falling out with the board and the players. You've seen that when he left Celtic the first time round, had a falling out with Orwell, wanted more money. And then, as we just touched on there, he had a falling out with the, the Hibs board and players. And that's what led to him leaving the club. So then he returned to Celtic, as you were just saying there, returned to Celtic and it was... If you put John Kennedy or anyone in charge, let's be honest, to that Celtic team who were eight points clear uh, in Gerrard's first season, anyone could have won that title. So he was just coming in to finish off the job that Brendan Rodgers done, right? So he won the league title and then he won the Scottish Cup against Hearts. So, okay, right, he's got the, he got the job through that. And then the, the season uh, after that, yeah, as you said, it got cold early. So... There's still that, that there's still that big question. There was still that big question hanging over Neil Lennon is can he do it against a strong Rangers side? This season comes around. Rangers recruit well in the summer. Rangers looking very good, playing some great stuff, winning games very comfortably, right? So this was Neil Lennon's biggest challenge of his career to go for 10 in a row against a top Rangers side and look what happened. 18 points behind in February. Madness, you know. So yes, overall, I think Neil Lennon's a decent manager, but See, when he, he came up against a strong Rangers side, he couldn't do it. Yeah, and I think um, 
his moment was actually that New Year game before they'll fate the bye trip that um, I brought. So it was all the chatter then that if we got the result that day, then you could have a title race on your hands because we still had games in hand at that point. Um, and then what, what, what happened, we still found a way to lose a game against a Rangers squad that had zero shots on target. So I meant to win leagues when you can't beat a team that's got zero shots on target. No, exactly. Um, and I remember the narrative that Neil Lennon was spinning after the game, right? He kept saying, oh, we played better than Rangers, we played better than Rangers. But at the end of the day, Celtic did not win the game. Uh, Celtic got beat 1-0 at Ibrox. And yes, Rangers were poor, but that's what good teams do. They find a way to win when they're not playing well. So that was basically, at that point, the title race was done. Like that, that game just finished it and then things just got worse and worse for Celtic, you know. So, enough about Neil Lennon. Um, who do you want to replace him, Chris? Yeah, I'll give you um, some of the list of the, list of the managers that are linked with the job. Um, Eddie Howe's linked with the job. John Kennedy, Steve Clark, Martin O'Neill, and Dermot Desmond's favourite guy, Roy Keane. <laughs> um, so, what's your thoughts? Who would you like to see replace Neil Lennon? And then after that, tell me your thoughts on the list of guys I just named there. Um. I think someone like how would be kind of like the dream appointment, obviously. Um, Kennedy, I was, I've looked at the odds. Um, Kennedy's the favourite now. I don't know if that'll be because he's expected to be in charge uh, more than the set amount of games before the bet settles. Um, an interesting second favourite I saw was Enzo Maresca. I don't know how I feel about that one. I don't know enough about him. But... Um, Going through the list you went through, um, Steve Clark, um, he's a good manager, but I think he'd be making a mistake leaving the Scotland squad at the first opportunity. He's just led them to first big achievement for Scotland in 22, 23 years. So I think there's still work for, to do there for Clark. And when he was at Kilmarnock, he was subjected to sectarian abuse. Um, he says that he was glad he was able to bring his family up in England away from all of that. So... I don't know why he would like, walk into a Celtic job and, like, let's face it, he'd just be asking for the abuse as much as no one deserves to go through that. So I don't think that would really be a wise appointment for him personally. Um, Martin O'Neill brought us perhaps one of our best managers since Jockstein, um, perhaps the best since Jockstein. Um, yeah, I think he's... Tactics are a bit too outdated. It brought success, what, 20 years ago? So, But I don't think it would really translate into the modern game with a younger crop of players that have grew up playing football a different way. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Been... Actually, um, from a, like, see Martin O'Neill, as you said, great manager in his day. Um, he, he brought Celtic a tremendous amount of success, but there's no point going back the way Celtic need to look forward. Celtic went back the way with Neil Lennon. Look what happened there. Didn't work out in the end, right? So Celtic need a fresh, new, exciting appointment. And I think Celtic really need to push the boat out for someone like Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe, I think, would be the ideal appointment. Uh, Celtic fans are looking for something to look forward to for next season because the, it's been a PR disaster from start to finish for Celtic, right? Um, so, in order to try and 
entice Celtic fans to get season tickets for next season, they need to get a top appointment. Like, like not obviously, I see the Brendan Rodgers appointment was huge. That was massive, right? Once in a generation. So, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rodgers is a top, top manager. So, obviously, Celtic will not get someone of that calibre, but they can get someone close to it. And I think the closest bet for Celtic to get someone who's well-established in England, but not quite Brendan Rodgers' level, I would say is Eddie Howe. But the question is, though, we touched on it in the episode with Callum, Chris, would Eddie Howe want the job? That's the thing. Because he's going to be well sought after in England, and he can get a job in the Premier League. So, would he really want to risk his reputation coming up to Scotland and going up against a Rangers side that are just getting better and better under Steven Gerrard? Yeah, well, I don't think he's going to... Obviously, won't be anywhere near. Depends on what level of club he takes and what kind of budget he gets down in England. They would perhaps get more... Need to see what kind of... Well, I've heard that <clears throat> um, Dermot Desmond, he's not one for like, in appointing managers that he likes giving free rein with his money to. So, um, he might get more free rein on what kind of team he wants to build at a team down in England, but um, in terms of like being up there at the top end of the table, coming to Celtic is his best opportunity. Mm. Uh, what do you make of Roy Keane? He, he's always linked with that Celtic job, and as I said, Derbert Desmond's a big fan of Roy Keane, and Roy Keane is meant to be the Celtic manager back in 2014, but he turned it down because Ronnie Dyler was meant to be his assistant, and then Roy Keane was like, no, I'm not working with this Ronnie Dyler guy, I don't even know him. So that was the reason Keane turned that down. So how do you feel about Roy Keane? No, I wouldn't want Keane at all. Do you feel, do you feel as though he's too old school, in a sense? Or do you think his managerial career isn't worth uh, getting the Celtic job? I don't think his managerial CV really speaks for itself. And um, we remember what happened when he, pardon me, he came to the club towards the end of his playing career and it didn't work out. I, don't think I feel it would just be the pardon me again, same as when he came as a player. Mm-hmm. And uh, another name I've seen linked with the job, it's like we're going back the way again here. Um, Gordon Strachan, <laughs> I think that's a big no, <laughs> same reasons as Martin O'Neill, but um, worse, <laughs> yeah. Like Gordon Strachan, great manager in his day. But a dinosaur of the game now, absolute dinosaur, you know. And we've seen it, like the job he done at Scotland. Let's be honest, he failed at Scotland. Three campaigns he had, couldn't get us to any major tournament. So I think he's doing work at Dundee right now as a technical director, assisting James McPake. So, yeah, I think that would be his role in football going forward. I'll be very surprised if Stratton gets back in the game and like as a manager. Yeah. Nah. Another name that I don't think you mentioned that completely out of nowhere and I don't see it at all, uh, Roberto Martinez. Oh, that, that's Sean just Maloney. fancy stuff. That is fancy. That, like, Sean Maloney, can I see that happening? Probably. Roberto Martinez, no, that is absolute fantasy yeah. stuff. Right? He's doing wonders with Belgium right now, right? The Belgium are in the Euros. He took, he took um, Belgium to the World Cup semi-final in 2018, I believe. Yeah, third place finish. So, yeah, so... Like, Celtic, huge club, of course, massive, right? But Roberto Martinez, will, his next job will be back in England. 
and he's working wonders with Belgium. So, you know, I, I, I I will be stunned. I will be stunned if that was to happen, but no, no for me. I don't think that will happen. Sean Maloney, Sean Maloney works with him at Belgium. Um, he said on um, sports scene that um, he's the manager of the number one ranked association in the world. Could they really see it? And he was kind of like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, like no chance that's happening. What about these two other names as well, which I don't think will happen either? Rafa Benitez, right? He's been linked with the Celtic job, but he already ruled it out earlier on this season. He wants to go back down to England. Sorry, that, um, again, that's an appointment I would love, but it's kind of the stuff of fantasies. Like he would not get the money that he would want to build a team. So, no, I can probably forget that one. What about the uh, last one before we move on to the final uh, bit about Celtic? Uh, EVB has been linked with the Celtic job, but I've done a bit of research. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago he got asked about the Celtic job and he said, no, I'm not interested at all. So, <laughs> and of course, that we had that we thing with Encham as well. So, um, I just, no, I can't see EVB happening either. No, and he's had some big jobs and they've not worked in his favour. So, I'm kind of wondering if they've, had the opportunity elsewhere and it's not worked out for them, then I'd be inclined to lean towards no. Yeah, absolutely. So, right, oh, of course, we all know Celtic. Uh, I've got a big rebuilding job to do in the summer. Chris, massive. So I'm going to ask you, what players would you like to see go in the summer? Um, <clears throat> start at the top, big summer signing, five and a half million, up to five and a half million pound deal. Barkas, I, I don't think he's necessarily made any howlers, but in the instances that he has been expected to save, like, let's face it, time for a club like Celtic as a goalkeeper, you're not expected to make like, 10 world-class saves a game. That's not the league, kind of league we play in, so you're paid the money to be called upon when expected, and for me, he's not done that, so we would need to sell him on at a loss, and um don't know about our future plans with Scott Bain, but I've seen Connor Hazard to sign a new deal with the club. Is that a sign that he's going to be in consideration for the number one job? Um, Shane Duffy. (laughs) Enough said. Yeah, enough said. We all know he's off. I'm going to to miss Shane Duffy. He's been great entertainment this year. He's definitely been... I would say he's been the... I would say he's the biggest meme... In Scottish football in the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, and memes haven't even been a thing for as long as that. But um, yeah. <laughs> Scott Brown, um, he'll be 36 come June. He's been a terrific servant to the club and played as to captain to so many great successes. But um, the last couple of years, you've just seen it and we've spoke at length on this numerous occasions. So, yeah, I think it's time that he walked away and I don't really think it's even with his head held high to be honest is that he was going to be the captain that led us to 10 our own you could have probably had him in the conversation right next to Billy McNeil was greatest ever captains and and the I don't know why we've dropped sorrow out the team but um oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you very briefly Chris it was just about Scott Brown it's like see Scott Brown as you say he's 36 right he's only going to get worse as a player He's at that age now 
where he's not going to get any better. We've assessed all season long about how poor he's been at Celtic. And for Scott Brown's sake, I think he knows deep down his legs are gone. And he got asked a question uh, the other day about his future. He said he'll just wait until the end of the season. So I think it will be very likely that he'll be off. But do I see him being done with Celtic? No, I can see him being a coach like in the background team. I can see that. But I definitely think his playing days are well and truly finished at Celtic. And it obviously means a Rangers fan. I think that's a... a like I can't help but have a wee chuckle at his final season at Celtic being the biggest one in history, going for 10, and they messed it up. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get that wee dig in there. But continue your, continue our point about Sorrow, Chris. Um, as I was saying, well, about November time when... Sorrow and Turnbull finally got their opportunity in that meaningless Europa League game. Um, actually looked quite decent was a regular feature in the diamond. In fact, I'm not so sure if he's actually injured and that's how he's not been getting his game and Brown's worked his way back in the team. But I have liked what I've seen of Sorrow. But he looks like a kind of one-year natural replacements for Brown and one of the foundations to build, rebuild the team around. Yeah, and David Tumble as well, by the way. Like he's probably been the only positive thing about Celtic this season. You know? Yeah. And Lenny must be kicking himself at the fact that why did I not introduce this boy earlier on this season, but still continue to start Brown when it was like yeah. clean as day. No, this is not working, you know. Yeah, who knows what might have been different if he had got his shot sooner. Um plus Turnbull with like he's not on the list. Well, Ryan Chris isn't on the list, but um if Ryan Chrissy did indeed leave, then David Turnbull's what, another player that can replace Ryan Christie. Uh, yeah, I think Christie will be off. Yeah, um, continuing with my last, um, another one of your favourites here, Lee Griffiths. Um, just, he's simply not interested. He's still not match fit, like, what, six-odd months into the season. So it's like, yeah, I think it's time to let him go. He's... Plus, he's been given chance after chance by the club. The club has stuck by him through quite a lot, and this is how he's repaid us, really. So, bye-bye, Griffiths. Absolutely, yeah. Like, he's been getting away. He's been getting away with murder at Celtic for years, and he's basically just took the mick out of Celtic. He really has. And he was given chance after chance, and he's just... He's not repaid the favour whatsoever. As you said, Chris, seven months into the season, the boy's still not even match fit. So I think it would be best for Celtic and Lee Griffiths to part ways. And I think Griffiths knows his time's up at Celtic. And see if Brendan Rodgers stayed at Celtic, I think Griffiths would have been gone uh, like a long time ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't even, even think, think he conducted himself like this in front of Brendan Rodgers. But if he did, then... He would have no sooner been gone. Um, continuing, um, I've kind of just built that this list based on like going through squad numbers. Um, Klamala, he's won a few winnings, never really gave a chance, but at the same time, he's never really done anything for me that makes me think, no, this guy's an asset to the team, he's got a place or a future here. So, Klamala's one I would want to see about. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's only on loan, but um, John Joe Kenny, he hasn't really. Well, I've got a friend that's an Everton fan. We had a discussion Monday night as to what exactly we would value him, um, given the fact he's an Everton player. And we say we would honestly only pay about in the four or five billion range based on what we've seen of him. And we know that wouldn't be like Everton's valuation of him. So we wouldn't sign him. So, but as I say, he's not really done anything that Jeremy Frampong couldn't do. So I don't see any worth in signing him. Um, Plus, we're interested in Milan Van Avey from Den Haag. So, that could be a possible transfer target at right back for us in the summer. Um, Absolutely. El say he's been good and at times our best player, but I don't see us signing him permanently beyond this second loan deal. And finally, um, Black's out. I don't see his loan being extended or anything, but left backs are area of concern as well because um, uh, Greg Taylor's not the answer at left back. No, that was a panic buy. That was a huge panic buy. Um, and see left back, that's been an issue for Celtic ever since Tierney left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely. How many is he gone? We've not had any depth at left back. No, none whatsoever, mate. And uh, we'll move on from Celtic. And we'll speak about Rangers now, Chris. And this is where uh, you'll be asking me the questions, being the fantastic co-host that you are. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a bit better at my questions than um, some of my analysis, but uh, hey-ho. Anyway, so we'll go back to the first leg of the Antwerp game. Um, oh, on that paper. madness, mate. That was utter madness, man. What a <laughs> emotional roller coaster that game was, mate. Right after it, my heart rate was football for you, but isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because on paper, like when the draw came out, we all thought it was a very favourable tie for Rangers, but it didn't, that didn't seem to be the case, did it? No, we certainly had to work for it, mate. That's for sure, man. Like, whew, like the referee, man. <laughs> Where did we start with him? That first half he had, mate, was shambolic to say the least. Yeah. Like missing a clear handball, uh, like in that, like. Antwerp defender clearly handballed the box, handballed the ball in the box, and I was like, "Come on!" In today's game, that is a penalty all day long, right? Wasn't given, right? Very strange decision to say the least, right? And then, uh, obviously, in the first half, big Joe Arrivo scored. Um, the goalkeeper uh, made a huge mistake. Uh, Aribo was there to pounce on it, slotted it away, one nil up, and I'm like, brilliant start, happy with this, right? And Rangers are playing some decent stuff as well, by the way, in the first half. Um, and then they scored to equalise. In my opinion, mate, it was a very soft goal to give away from our point of view. Our positioning uh, should have been a bit better. It was a header on the edge of the box from them to make it one each. And then, right before half time, right, I think it was like four minutes for Adi Ron, and I think it went into six minutes. Of added yeah. time, and Antwerp get a penalty. And yeah, controversial it, stuff. Yeah, Antwerp get a penalty, right? And that, honestly, I'm not just saying this right, but that's one of the weakest penalties I've ever seen given. Like, Davis barely touched him. That is not enough for the Antwerp player to go down. That is not enough at all. So he steps up, slots it away. And I was like, oh, God, man. And the referee was having a nightmare. 
an absolute nightmare. I couldn't believe it. Right. And I actually even tweeted this out on uh, Twitter. I was like, how can anyone with any sort of football knowledge think that's a penalty? Did, did you feel like in the end, though, like last gas dramatic victories would have had a commanding away goal lead, but um, and then the two penalties, did you feel like he's got a bit of justice in the end? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, 110%, right? And see, the pen, like the, uh, the first penalty that we got, it was a penalty all day long. I don't know what it was, right? The referee probably went on Twitter half time and seen the abuse he was getting, <laughs> how much uh, criticism he's getting. He's like, all right, okay, I need up my game here. <laughs> or someone said to him in the uh, he said, set, you're having a nightmare, son. Like, better perform second half. So, yeah, we got a penalty in the second half. Um, and it was a clear pen, right? Morelos' uh, shot was getting pulled. Um, Stonewaller, big one about it, stepped up, made it to each. I'm like, brilliant, superb. And second half, mate, we were bossing it. We were absolutely bossing it, man, right? Um, and then they score again. Very frustrating goal. They, they, they make it 3 2. Very frustrating goal to give away. It was effectively a free hit, mate, outside the box, right? We should have closed the guy down. We never. And I thought at that point, okay, right, 3 2. It's not the worst, right? It's not the worst thing in the world. But this just sums up this Rangers team, mate. The determination, the character this team has kept going, kept going. Ryan Kent came on and, oh my God, changed the game completely. Like, he, oh, like, him and Morelos, the chemistry between those two is outstanding. Ryan Kent, lovely finish, makes it for each. And I'm like, right, this is fantastic. Right. At, at that point, I was like, okay, let's sit back, let's just park the bus, right? Just hold on for this for each, right? Because I'll be more than chuffed for that, you know? So then <laughs> the, t- the tension was heating up even more so where uh, Joe Aribo made a slack pass, which uh, led to their striker going clean through. Then Al McGregor steps up, made a great save. Saved us big time there. And then Antwerp nearly scored again, but Ryan Jack cleared the ball off the line. This is what I'm talking about, mate. My heart rate was going mental. <laughs> I was a nervous wreck. It was, it was, it was, oh yeah, that's what football is all about, right? So then another penalty is given to Rangers. Clear handball in the box. And I'm like, no, no way. This is too good to be true. And I was, I was thinking the worst, Chris. I was like, Mike Bodner stepping up. He's going to miss it, right? He's already scored a pen. We're, going to, we're not going to get lucky again. Guess what? Slots the penalty away, man. Lovely penalty, may I add, by the way, tremendous. Then Big Bornist uh, walked right up to the their goalkeeper, gave it like basically taunted him a wee bit. So I think during the game, they had a bit of back and forth going on. And then six minutes were added on, and it, they nearly scored, but it clipped outside Alan McGregor's post. And at full time, mate, the biggest sigh of relief ever. <laughs> hmm. oh, it was a tremendous feeling, you know. And obviously, I just want to touch on another thing. James Tavernier got injured, right? And we all know what happened uh, with the, the boys that broke the COVID regulations. Callum Bassey, Nathan Patterson, Zungu, and then a couple of other young boys. They broke the COVID regulations. And that was a great opportunity that night for Nathan Patterson, Nathan Patterson to come on. And he must have been sitting at home watching that, saying, what have I done here, man? Like, what have I done? He must have felt so guilty. You know, but credit where it's true, Balogun came on and he, he he was very solid at right back. 
very solid, done a good job coming in and deserves a lot of credit for that, you know. Yeah. Um, how do you feel? Um, obviously, this isn't the first um, COVID violation this season by Rangers players. How do you feel uh, that these players didn't seem to meet, meet the same fate that Jones and Edmonston did? Because they didn't see even the bench again, I don't think, and now both are out on loan. So how do you feel about this crop of players? Um, no, I still feel the exact same. I do. Because it was stupid. Like, like just, the, the thing that annoys me is the fact that these boys, right, would have went into training on Monday and they would have kept that secret, right? They would be acting like everything was normal and they would have passed, like, just say they tested positive for COVID, they would, have, they would have passed that on to the rest of the team and that could have been disastrous for our season. Even though we're going to, even though we're going to go on and win the league, but in terms of Europe and maybe the potential sanctions we could have faced over that. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. it was it was a blessing that the police turned up to that house party, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though, like, you got guys like Nathan Partison, right? Young boy made a daft mistake. That's what it was. It was stupid. I thought Callum Bassey would know a bit better. Zungu, um, Zungu's been a real big disappointment for me. Um, I think he'll be gone in the summer. I don't think we'll see him back at Rangers. He's not done enough to warrant uh, him being back at Rangers. And just say the COVID thing didn't happen, right? Him breaking the regulations. I could have seen him being given a second chance for next season. Could be Barisic for his first season at Rangers. He, he didn't really hit the ground running, but he gave him a second season and look what happened. He just kicked on. You know, he just needed like a season to really settle in. But for me, in terms of Zungu, I don't want to see Zungu back at the club. Um, see if this happens December time Chris I think these boys would have got sent out in loan I think Zungu's loan might have got terminated Partison I think would have been sent out in loan Bassey would have been sent out in loan the two young boys um, I don't know what would have happened to them I think they would have got sent out to League 2 League 1 or whatever so yeah it was infuriating Chris you know and I think these boys would have got it stinking of Steven Gerrard and even worse, Alan McGregor. <laughs> Can you imagine how petrified they would have been going into training like after their, after their self-isolation period and facing Alan McGregor? God help, God help those boys, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, coming to the second leg against um, yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely, but... Nathan Patterson, like, just, well, obviously we're going to come on to him now. Um, like, you couldn't make it up in the second leg, Chris. You couldn't make it up. Like, Nathan yeah, Patterson, right, first comes on sit after 17 seconds, right, on the pitch and scores. Like, what a, what a way to make a comeback like that. What a way to, like, after, what a way to silence all those critics you know, after all, like he was getting criticised uh, and it was totally justified, but that's the best way to make a return. And you've seen how much it meant to him when he came on the pitch, right? And when he scored that goal and he came on and he, he knew he had a huge, huge point to prove. And see the goal he scored, Chris, lovely finish as well. You've seen the determination and the hunger that he made to make that run. And yeah, it was beautiful stuff to see. And hopefully he'll learn from this you know, and he mm-hmm. and he'll kick on and not act like a daffy boy like he, he did by going to a house party, which could have like 
potentially like put us under even more pressure and gave us sanctions going forward. Yeah, just coming to the second leg now. Um, all kick started on um, some suspect at Antwerp defending and Ryan Kent capitalising, and from there it was just a terrific team win. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was great stuff from Ryan Kent, pouncing on that mistake, like fantastic pressing from Kent, set up Morelos, Morelos slots it away, and I have to say, by the way, see over the two legs, I would say my man in the match was Alfredo Morelos, like Morelos has been flying right now, overall contribution, he's hold up play, he's, he's finishing, he's just, he's flying right now, and it's it's such a joy to see, and as I was like saying, like about Ken and Mariellis's like chemistry, it's off the charts, man. It's off the charts, so it is. And yeah, that was that. That was another wild game, Chris. Like winning nine five on aggregate, that is a huge achievement for a Scottish club, especially <clears> in the last thirty two. Like that is like scoring overall nine goals. Yeah, two legs, overall in two legs, it's mental. Yeah, I might have conceded a few of them as well, but um, yeah, absolutely. I know. By the way, see if Rangers and Antwerp are going to be playing every weekend. I swear to God, see the amount of pay-per-view companies that will be trying to get that game. <laughs> They'll be paying fortunes because Rangers against Antwerp is fantastic entertainment for the neutral. Yeah, so coming to tonight, we're only minutes away from... Oh, just, can I just well. add a couple more things about... Um, yeah. Like the second leg, sorry, I'm just I'm all buzzing, mate. It's a good time to be a Rangers fan. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, we made a great start with Morelos scoring. And then obviously like, it was like we overall we played brilliant from start to finish. Uh, so we did we played some like really, really good stuff and we just we were just bossing the game. We really well, we were just like on fire. So then I also Antwerp uh, made the equalizer. But at that point, I wasn't worried. I, mean, I just had the feeling we were going to kick on and win this, right? And Nathan Patterson, as I just spoke about there, made it uh, 2-1 at uh, the start of the second half. And then, not long after that, Ryan Kent makes it 3-1. I'm like, brilliant. Like, we've got this in the bag. Now, I already knew we had it in the bag, but yes, this is it. I was like, we're going to go on and hammer them here. Now, right? And by the way, I need to touch on that Ryan Kent goal. The third goal was a brilliant team goal, by the way. Outstanding, like... Golson to Kamara, Hadji with a lovely weighted turn and a pass to Morelos, skips past uh, Nanswell uh, player and sets up Kent in the middle to make it 3-1. Like, you see what uh, what happened on uh, Instagram? Um, Gerard uploaded the, the goal and right. Ashley Cole commented on it and he was like, just sent that to the Chelsea under-16s. Superb goal. So, mm-hmm. like, just shows you the style of football. Rangers are playing this season under Gerard is... It's breathtaking, and I feel as though Michael Beale deserved a lot of credit for that. And I've said that earlier on this season. Like Michael Beale was so key for us, and I want McGann and McAllister and every one of Gerald's backroom team. So then Morelos wins another penalty for us, Stonewaller. <laughs> so it was Big Borna stepped up, um, it made it four two, and uh, obviously Antwerp uh, got a second. I forgot to mention that one. But then Scott Wright came on. Scott Wright came on by the way now. Like, see, when I first when we first signed him, I was like, you've got a decent squad player. But when he came on, he made a real statement. He had a great cameo, won as a penalty. And obviously, I don't want to compare the players here, Chris Wright, far from it. But see, in terms of like the way they play at times and their ability to win, foul, uh, win fouls, 
in that sense, it reminds me of Jack Grealish a wee bit, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. Only purely and just like maybe the like the way they play, they're good at taking players on, and they're really good at winning fouls. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, and they definitely love that comparison. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, Cedric Eaton stepped up, and I really like this about big about uh, Bonavaric, right? He could have took the penalty, but he decided not to. He decided to give it to Cedric Eaton because he wanted to get Cedric Eaton's confidence up. And I was like, that is a class act. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, team move, yeah. Um, so, in the last 16, you have drawn Slavia Prague, who knocked off Leicester, big upset game. How are you feeling about that one? I think it's a very decent draw. So it is, Chris. But uh, I think it will be tough. It will. I'm very content with the draw. But they they've got some they've got they're, they're, they are a very decent side so they are and they finished second in their their the Europa League group and you know they actually beat Bayer Leverkusen in the in the second match day as well beat them one 0 Yeah, well, and yeah. We know last season you just couldn't get the job done against them. Could have a very different outcome this time around against Slavia Prague. Um, just looking at other ties. Um, AC Milan and Man United drew each other, so if you see off Slavia Prague, that'll be one big team, one of the favourites for the tournament won't be there. Um, and then at the other end of the draw, you'd a Granada Molda tie. Would you fancy getting one of them? And I would, yeah, I would, yeah, I would, I would fancy that, mate. But I just like, I just want to get past uh, Slavia uh, Prague first because. Like as as you said, they beat Leicester and they beat Leicester very comfortably, by the way. And they're sitting top of the Czech League by eleven points. And they've got this striker, right, who looks deadly. And this is a, a striker we need to look out for. His name's Sima. Right. Technically he's so gifted on the ball. He's clinical finisher. Yeah, like you just can't give this boy any space because you'll punish you. And he scored 19 goals this season in all competitions. So that's their their star man. So we need to watch him like a hawk. Mm-hmm. And I'm very confident we can do that. Like we've got like we've got a fantastic defence and our clean sheet record this season has been phenomenal. So and Connor Golson as well. He's you know he's played every minute of this season. Didn't know that. Yeah. Every Only single minute of this season. And took a knock on Thursday night. Is he all right? Uh yeah, he's fine. He's fine now. He took me not, but he's okay. Uh, he's okay, yeah. so he's, which is huge for us, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to it. We're playing them next Thursday, um, and I, I, I do believe we can make like the the quarterfinals, Chris. I really do, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, I'm looking forward to that game. Fancy our chances, yeah. I do. I think we can. Honestly, I, I, I fancy our chances to. Like I get see against any team, I think we're we're more than capable of like teams like Man U, EC Milan, Spurs, Arsenal. But I think we can beat them. Who knows? But put it this way, I know for a fact we'll give them a game. That's for sure. Yeah, we will yeah. give them a game. Hundred percent. Um, back to tonight, but in the league, um, away to Livingston, they're coming off their um, disappointing cup final loss to St. Johnson on Sunday. They've suffered a bit of a dip in form lately. They've not had a win in a month. Um, Earlier in the season, it 
Livingston he's could only manage a nil-nil draw. He nearly got a late winner with a free kick from what I remember. Um, how do you see it potentially playing out differently tonight? Um, well, the game's about starting like a minute. <laughs> so yeah. it, As we're uh, talking. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, but yeah, I just seen the team sheet there. It's uh, Al McGregor and goals. Nathan Patterson is getting a start tonight. Connor Golson, Halander, Barisic, Tamara, Davis, Afio, Daribo, Ryan Kent and Morelos. So I fancy our chances, mate. Um, I do. Livingston, uh, they are a difficult side to break down. But the thing going in our favour is the fact that they haven't got much in that final third. And we can come to that in a minute, actually, about mm-hmm. the their League Cup performance at the weekend, right? But I fancy our chances tonight, mate. I do. Um, it's just that pitch, but I, <laughs> we all know how annoying it is, but we just need to deal with it. Um, so I'm, tonight, I'm actually going to go for a... I'm going to go for a... 2 0, 2 0 Rangers. 2 0 Rangers. Uh, that's what I'm going with tonight. 2 0 sounds like it would be a good result. A um, couple of last questions about um, Rangers. So, this weekend, there's certain permutations of results that can actually see Rangers clinch the title or all but clinch the title this weekend. So, what would you rather have? Get it done now and then see if. Celtic give you the guard of honour on the 21st or would it would it really rub it in to clinch 55 and officially finish the bid for 10 at Celtic Park um, see if I'm being honest mate I just want to get the league title won as soon as possible like genuinely see if it's this Sunday if Dundee United like win right I, I just want to get it done like I just want to get it done as soon as possible Um of course, it would be nice to do it at Celtic Park. Of course, it would be. But I just want to start celebrating as soon as possible. I, mean, I just like it's going to be. See, when it's official, it's going to be. It's going to be very emotional. Me, I, I will be shedding a few tears of joy, mate. After the ten years of hell that we've endured, it's going to be a momentous occasion. And uh, right, it's, it's going to be huge, mate. Ten years since we won the last league, since we won our last league title, and it's. I'm buzzing, mate. Just a shame we can't be there for it, but at the end of the day, we're still getting it done. And it's just, oh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Find out. yeah, I just want it done as soon as possible. We'll find a way to celebrate and it'll be made up for ease in due course, I'm sure. Um, one final question to conclude about Rangers. So, 55 is a formality at this stage, let's be honest. So, going down the stretch, 55 wrapped up. Um, the Scottish Cups making a return um, towards the end of this month. I think there's a few second round matches to be played and it resumes the first weekend in April for us, I believe. So with that and possibly Europe still to play for at that stage, do you start resting players in the league to make a run at Europe in a possible treble or do you still want to at least try and match the Celtic Invincibles in the um, league? I think we're I think we're very good at balancing the squad out, and of course I want us to go unbeaten. I really do. That's like that would be a brilliant achievement to do. So and this Rangers team's more than capable of it, you know. So yeah, I, yeah, I can see us like maybe resting maybe two or three key players, but I see us dropping uh, basically a full first team and playing the young boys. No, I don't see that because Gerard will want to go unbeaten as well, and we want to win as much as we can this season, 
you know. Uh, but see, of, of course, in Europe, just say we are, when we get the league wrapped up officially, I can see us maybe resting like key individuals like your Stephen Davises, your, your Arfields, your like Alfredo Morelos. Yeah. But I can maybe Conor Golson actually as well, you know. Um, if only if we've got a game in Europe, and it depends on the opposition, you know. But with this Rangers team, I just don't see any complacency. I don't. I, I feel like the standards are t- set so high by established players like Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis and James Tavernier, Conor Goldson, and of course our manager Stephen Gerrard. The standards are set. So we go in and see when we go into every game, we go in with that mindset of right, we're winning this comfortably, and we. You don't see any players slacking. You don't see any players uh, half-arsing it, shall we say. Everyone in this team gives 110%. And, it, you know, it, like, I think like, like we, Rangers fans 110% deserve this after the Dross Rangers teams we had to watch over the years. You know, so I can see a wee bit of rotation, but in terms of us dropping nearly our full first team to play the, the young boys, no, nah, I don't see that happening. Well, that concludes my Rangers questions. Thank you. Absolutely. So we'll just basically, before we wrap up, we'll gloss over the, the League Cup final um, <clears> and then we'll go on to the news and then that'll be us. So, uh, Chris, um, St Johnston played living in the League Cup final and I think it was a final everyone expected. It was a very tight affair, very cagey affair. It was a, a game that I didn't expect a lot of goals to be in. You know, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of entertainment happening, but it certainly was a decent tactical battle between Callum Davidson and David Martindale. But what did you make of the final? I thought St. Johnson were worthy winners on the day, were very well organised and disciplined, and Livy, as I was just saying, had nothing up front. Like they just had nothing in the final third. They were lacking real quality, and it was a very comfortable day for the St. Johnson defence? Yeah, um, Levy only managed to really have one decent chance the full game. That was quite early on in the first half. Um, Josh Mullen forcing a good save out Xander Clark, and then not too long after that, um, he had a header earlier on. I think it might have been from a corner. Um, Sean Rooney um, didn't do anything with it, but then the next time around he was able to head home. And then from there it was just... Um, don't wouldn't say they parked the bus or anything, but um, it was very comfortable from there. They were able to sit back and just defend. And as you say, Levy lacked any quality in the final third to really test St. Johnson. Yeah, and I have to say, um, see Bartley, who was playing, for some reason, I don't understand why he was playing out in the wing. I found that very odd. He was playing out left wing. Um, that didn't work and you can see how knackered he was as well um, Mullen and Pittman I was disappointed in them I thought they, they would have been Levy's key players in uh, the final third as well and they just they weren't up to it at all um, in terms of the goal um, I thought Levy could have defended a bit better um, obviously Rooney uh, scored the only goal in the game young Ross McCorey could have, I felt sorry for him obviously like I think he's got a good future ahead of him. Um, he probably could have done a wee bit better with that, but he's a young boy, obviously, um, still learning. Um, but in terms of St. Johnston, I was just speaking about them there. Like uh, they just set up well, and the like, like Kerr and Gordon 
and McCart, they were they were fine. They they, they had no real problems at all. Uh, throughout the whole game and Xander Clark uh, who, who is a big Rangers man <laughs> their, their goalkeeper um, he'll be absolutely delighted with that uh, winning that cup and I've seen uh, I think it was his brother on social media tweeting about how proud he is of him and stuff and uh, was, uh, you, that's what you want to see it's lovely stuff like that you know and uh, David Willerspoon I want to touch on that what do you make as a dive in the second half man like that could easily have been St Johnston 2-0 up yeah definitely I know, like that was his on. I like David Willerspoon as well. He's like a real decent player, and he's. Bit, I think he's like 31, 32, and I'm like, what's a boy like him? No, no, a boy. What's a a man like him at that age diving? Like, come on, he should know better <laughs> than, than that, you know. Um, but yeah, like David Martindale, he's a great character, and I think everyone really wanted to see him do it actually. So they did because he's been a breath of fresh air <laughs> for Scottish football. He's got great humour. Uh, he's just he's, he's just a great guy and he's so like he always came through a lot throughout his life and that's what you call a fantastic redemption story from being in prison to managing in the top flight in uh, Scottish football it's like yeah, it's that- a real heartwarming story and he's it, he's really redeemed himself and he's came through a lot you know and like remember there been that whole fit and proper test was going on and mm-hmm. like, there was a chance that he potentially would have got overruled with it and it, and it would have got rejected like that would be, that would have been a real shame that would that would have just set an example by the SFA like oh like yeah if you've got a past then that will define you for the rest of your life that that would have been shameful man you know so I'm glad that was like that he passed that test because that would have that would have been a real tragedy if he never yeah, everyone likes a reformed character turnaround story, and I think the cup final win would have been kind of the kind of redemption story arc in that coming kind of full circle. And um, it just says great sense of humor. The bit that got me was um, the team were training and shouting at Effie Ambrose, I think, that Effie had been to prison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I think that takes great character to make light of something like that happened in your life, which was a real tough experience, you know, and I thought that was lovely, but in terms of, uh, like, we'll move on to Callum Davidson, actually, like, Callum Davidson, I think, is a very likeable guy, you know, and, like, I'm delighted for him. He's done a great job at St. Johnson, and he's fallen in the footsteps of Tommy Wright, and that's his mentor, you know, and he's learned well of Tommy Wright. He, he was part of Tommy Wright's uh, backroom team, at St. Johnston, he'd played under Tommy Wright. So, yeah, he, I'm delighted for him. And I bought, I seen his, his presser after the game, mate, and he looked, he was close to tears, you know. Uh, yeah, so, and he deserves a lot more credit. I don't know, well, no, sorry, not a lot more, sorry. He deserves a lot of credit, should I say. Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for the job he's doing at that club. And St. Johnston, have, have, what was it, I seen a stat the other day, they're the second most successful team in the last, a few years or so. <laughs> yeah, that would sound about right. It was 2014, they won the Scottish, the Scottish Cup, yeah. Cup, yeah. Mm. Only two years later, the, after Hibs, well, I don't mean to bring up that final <laughs> you like to avoid. Um, yeah, we had a Queen Sweeper trophy, so yeah, that's actually quite an interesting one, that St. Johnson are actually the next most successful team after us. 
Yeah, and um, Stevie May as well. I'm happy for him. Like he's regarded as a St Johnston hero. Like he scored in the Scottish Cup final back in 2014, and then he returned to St Johnston after a, a real mediocre spell at Aberdeen. Returned to St Johnston, and he's won two cups with him. So that's a big feather in his cap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, before we we head off. Uh, we're going to do a wee roundup of the news, Chris, and uh, I think you've got um, some stories to bring up. Yeah, I'll just touch on it. Um, as well as the Scottish Cup, um, leagues below the Championship that have been suspended since the middle of January and the top division of women's football that's been suspended since the middle of December. They've been given the go-ahead to resume. Um, players are going to need to be tested at least once a week for COVID, but Apart from the Scottish Cup, there's a full calendar for the Scottish Cup. Um, the final will be the 22nd of May. I don't know if that's in line with the original schedule for the Cup. But, um, yeah, um, no no dates for any of the lower leagues or the Women's League to resume as of yet. Yeah, it's good news, like, the lower leagues will be coming back. Um, but, yeah, like, as you were saying, I just want, hopefully, the, the, like, all football can be back as soon as possible. Good news about the Scottish Cup, though, because you were saying the other day that you were thinking it might not even go ahead, you know, and, and I'm, I'm delighted it's going ahead because, well, obviously, now Rangers can go do this double. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's good news for the whole of Scottish football because everyone loves the Scottish Cup. It's a, it's a great occasion at the end of the season. I highly doubt we'll, we'll have fans there for it. Um but it's still, it's like, see when things are normal at the end of the day, and it, it's it's a fantastic way to end the season. It's like always great weather, um, and it, it's always a great spectacle as well, and it's always a good advert for Scottish football. So the light that's back, and uh, overall that's positive news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one last bit of news that caught my um, Scott Allen. We thought he was going to have to retire the undiagnosed heart condition picked up um, I seen that he was actually back training oh that's tremendous news that is tremendous news actually um, no, like, <clears throat> we heard rumours earlier on this season that he might have to retire due to this but it was never actually confirmed uh, none of the media were reporting on it and we, I think everyone knew something was up because he wasn't training and he was doing punditry and it was like it, no one knew why he wasn't training I think like no one actually out of house came out and couldn't, like said what the reason was, you know. So like, it's I'm no, it's good news that he's back playing because um, he Scott Allen I think is a a real good player, and we've never actually seen him show his true potential, the potential of what he's capable of, and um, because he's had a real stop start career, where started off at Dundee United. Then he made that move to West Brom, got loaned out to a few clubs, didn't work out at all. Then he came back up to Scotland, done well at Hibs after a season, then the whole fiasco with us trying to get him, then Alan Stubbs not wanting to sell him to us. Then he goes to Celtic. And let's be honest, him moving to Celtic was the worst thing that could have happened to his career. Yeah, he just didn't seem to get his shot and it didn't do any good for his career development. No, no, like none whatsoever, you know, and it's just... Like that, I think Scott Allen could have went on to be one of Scotland's top <clears throat> midfielders. 
you know, because we all know the ability is there, but it's just a shame I've never actually been able to see him flourish throughout his entire career, you know. But overall, that's great news that he's back training and he'll be back on the, the football pitch uh, soon playing for Hibs. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to see a player have to be forced into retirement and not on their own terms. So I'm pleased for him in that sense. No, absolutely, mate. So um, I'm going to head off the now and uh, I'll be a good episode, Chris, as always. Obviously, Angels game's on. I've got an eye on it now. <laughs> so it's good to have you back on, Chris. It's been a while. Um, obviously, I've, I've been uh, getting out the interviews, you know, yep. so... Um, until next time, guys, uh, take care and we'll see you soon.